The moment when you feel like giving up is right before your breakthrough. That is a quote by Victoria Arlen. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Welcome to episode 144. The topic of this week's episode is get ready for your breakthrough. My guest this week is Chris Natsky. Chris is an author, speaker, life leadership coach, and an eighth degree black belt master instructor and former national taekwondo champion. As a life leadership coach, keynote speaker, and number one, Amazon number one best-selling author, he transforms lives through his unique brand of black belt leadership. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm doing great, Trina. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm glad you are taking time out of your day to be with me today. How I like to start off Trina talk is I ask everyone who you are and how did you come to be the Chris that you are today? Oh, very good. Well, <laughs> let's see, boy, that's, that's a, that's a big question, isn't it? Yes. Um, so my name is Chris Natsky and I live in Denver, Colorado, and uh, I work now as a professional speaker and life leadership coach as well as an author, but my, my big background is in martial arts. So I'm an eighth degree black belt and former national Taekwondo champion. So I take those principles of leadership and personal development that I've taught for decades in the martial arts and apply those to my coaching clients, to corporate clients, and also in my work with, uh, with teens. Wow. Okay. So for someone like me has no clue what an eighth degree black belt yeah. is, just right. summarize it for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So everyone is pretty much understands the concept of black belt, right? But then there are various degrees in black belt. And within the martial art of Taekwondo that I practice, there are nine degrees of black belt. And the way that I like to explain it is those first three degrees, which is basically the first eight to 10 years of training, people are the fighters, right? It's, they're the athletes. They're the, you know, the ones that are working more in the physical skill. And then when you get to the fourth through six degrees, they become the instructors. They're the ones teaching. And the seventh through the ninth degrees, we become hopefully the philosophers. Uh -huh. So it doesn't mean we stop teaching, but we kind of take the message that we have learned and we have been teaching on the floor and take that out in the world to make the world a better place. Oh, wow. That's very, very interesting. I never, um, never knew that. So that's actually very interesting. Sure. So how long have you been doing before you started doing that? Did you like work corporate jobs? What did you do before you just yeah. immerse yourself in that? Right. Well, I started martial arts at the age 10. Okay. And uh, I was enamored with a TV show that some of you more seasoned uh, listeners might remember called Kung Fu yes. in the early 70s. And a Shaolin monk walking across the desert, you know, doing his thing. And I was just so 
taken by that. And that was back in the, as I said, the early seventies. So martial arts was not a kid's activity at that time. I mean, now that's kind of what we think about it as in the, in the United States, but it wasn't at that time. So I was like the only kid in the class, but I just fell in love with it. And so I had studied martial arts all the way through grade school, high school, and then was blessed to go to um, college on a football scholarship. I went to Northwestern University and played and lettered four years there and then went into the corporate world like, you know, many of us do. Right. And and I and had a really good experience. I worked for the top consumer products company in the country. Career was going great, but there was always this dream of owning a professional martial arts school. So in 1995, I took that leap and left the corporate world and haven't looked back since. Wow. I love that story. And you went to Northwestern. So I'm originally from Chicago. So oh, right on. No, about Northwestern. And it's funny Good. because I guess I'm dating myself, but I do know the show Kung Fu. And when, when I saw <laughs> when I saw your eighth degree uh black belt, first thing popped in my mind was Bruce Lee. But I know he That's right. Yeah, he did was that just regular karate or was that Taekwondo? He 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 did Kung Fu. And I'll give you a little trivia for you and your listeners. Uh, that TV show Kung Fu mm -hmm. was originally he helped develop that show oh. and was and had wanted to star in it. And then the network said he looked too Chinese. And so he was very upset by that. And he went to Hong Kong instead. And that's when he became a international superstar. So sometimes when we want things, they don't happen the way we want. And it ends up being the perfect thing. So that's what happened with him. Wow. Interesting. Very. Oh, I have to tell my brothers that that's very interesting. <laughs> so, so now you are a leader, a leadership coach, speaker, and an author. And mm -hmm. I can kind of relate how, like you were saying, you're, you're a teacher now at your level of martial arts. So I can understand how that goes because me being a former Naval officer, that's kind of, I'm doing the same thing as you're doing. So I understand because right. They do tr translate, but tell me about your um, career as the speaker and the author and leadership coach. Um, yeah. Give me, give me, give, give the listeners more of um, what are you doing and what are you focusing right. on there? Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks for asking. You know, you know, I, I was, I owned my martial arts school for over 17 years. And again, that was my dream. And I thought I was going to do that for the rest of my life. And I'm still very much involved in that world, but now my students own the schools. Um, so I oversee those. But what was happening to me when I was going through this uh, personal growth revelation, if you will, is I was doing a tremendous amount of work on myself. I was doing all the personal development workshops that I could find. Um, I went on to get my master's degree in spiritual psychology from University of Santa Monica. And all of these things were, were happening. And, and along the ways, I was promoting my school a lot through public speaking. So I'd go to various events, I'd go to schools, I'd go to, you know, whatever, and I'd be speaking and people began to say, wow, you're kind of good at that. Have you ever thought about speaking? I said, well, I kind of like to do that. That'd be fun. And so it just continued. And I realized that in the realm of martial arts, I could make an impact. And I believe I really have, but it was confined to my school or schools that I was, I was doing that. But when I could go out in the world and I could see, you know, 500, 1,000, 2,000 people when I'm speaking, maybe it wouldn't be as 
deep of, a, of an impact in, you know, in, uh, in the immediate term, but it could spread much further, right? I could really be speaking to a larger, larger audience. So what I, the, the things that I'm teaching and the things that I talk about are really the same things I've been, I've been talking about and teaching my whole martial art career. In fact, uh, about a year or two ago, I had one of my former students send me an article in which when I was 16 or 17, I was actually running a martial art program in my little hometown in Wisconsin. And he sent me the article that they had done on me. I hadn't seen it in decades. And as I was reading it, I, I, I had this chill come over me because the same things that I speak about now, I was talking about when I was 16 and 17 and how you know martial arts is used as a means much beyond kicking and punching, but it's about finding that deep uh, sense of, of power inside of ourselves and then finding those gifts and developing those gifts so we can go out in the world and make an impact. Wow. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to ask, that was going to be my next question, because for me, when I think martial arts, I think very highly disciplined, mm -hmm. someone who's very highly disciplined and um, just focused. And can you go into a little bit about martial arts and their the overarching um, foundation with martial arts? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, you're certainly right. Uh, discipline is at, is at its core, but it's one of those things, like I always say, when I was teaching my students, I wasn't teaching them discipline. I was teaching them self-discipline, mm -hmm. teaching them to do the things that were important when no one else was watching. And, you know, like anything that we do in life, it generally doesn't come in a big explosion where all of a sudden, you know, like they say, you'll hear people that are, are extremely successful now and they'll say, yeah, it took me 15 years to be an overnight sensation, <laughs> right? And, and the same thing is in martial arts is, is it's the people that continue to keep showing up. You know, when I think about, I have about 1,200 or more people that have earned their black belts with me over the last 20 years. And when I think about those students, I can think of only two, only two, Trina, that came to me and I immediately said they have all the tools to be a black belt, you know, focus, concentration, speed, flexibility, power, all that. Only two had what I thought all the skills at the beginning, but yet another 1,198 made it. And it's because what happened was, is they just kept showing up. They just kept showing up and they came upon those obstacles, but then all of a sudden they broke through and now they built their confidence. And the same thing happens in our lives. You know, I think that as human beings and any story that I've heard and clients I've worked with, as well as my students, the times in our lives that we're most proud of are not the times that things were super easy and they just unfolded with no problem. Almost every time you talk to someone, the times in their lives they're proudest of is when they had an obstacle, they had something needed to break through and they had that struggle and they came out on the other side. That's what gets, that's what keeps us going as human beings. And, and I think when we find that balance of things that keep us challenged, but they don't overwhelm us, but they keep us challenged. That's also when we're happiest. Mm, I agree with that. I really do. Now tell me, I like to kind of go behind the, the <clears throat> curtain as you will. Um, yeah. So you worked corporate America, you went, followed your dream, and now you're pursuing something else or you're in it, you know? So mm -hmm. tell the listeners about your journey and your transition from each thing, because a lot of times, um, like you said, people say, you know, it took me 15 years to become an overnight success. And a lot of times people look at other people and they say, 
oh, they're, you know, they, they did that. I can do that. But what they, I always like to say is you see my glory. You don't know my story because you're just looking at the end here, but you don't see all the other years where, you know, I was rolling pennies to buy gas. So (laughs) so tell us about your journey. Oh, man, I hear you. Well, you know, moving into the corporate world right out of college actually wasn't that big of a deal for me, you know, because I went to a great school, as you know, and was had those opportunities. And it was challenging, though, for me when I took that role um, in the corporate world, because within a three month or three, excuse me, a three week window, um, I had been married between my junior and senior year of college. And so I within a three week window, I we had our first son. I graduated college and I started my corporate career. So there was no honeymoon, if you will, right? It was like right in it. Um, and that those 10 years that I had in corporate really taught me a lot. I had a great experience. I learned a ton. I worked with some amazing people. And it really, I think, started my um, the foundation of my, of my leadership, right? Of knowing what it was like because I was not only put in charge to lead individuals, but I had some great people that I reported to. But the biggest challenge that I had, Trina, is when I was going to leave to follow that dream. And, you know, I don't know what your experience has been, but mine is moving forward and following that dream, particularly when you've got the safe and secure uh, job and career. It not only was the most exciting time in my life, it was also the most petrifying time in my life. And at the time I was 33 years old, I was married. I had two small uh, boys, age 10 and six. And I um, got so worked up in making this move that I began having panic attacks, okay? And not just the kind that gets you a little nervous. I'm talking about on your back, debilitating. And one specific day, I, um, I had a, in, in my corporate world, we had a, a whole company-wide meeting and I went there and only one person in the whole group knew I was about to leave. So I was kind of holding it, you know, underneath the putting a lid on everything. And I went into the meeting and full-blown panic attack. The room is spinning. Everything's closing in on me. So at lunchtime, I went to my boss and I said, hey, I'm not feeling well. I need to go home. And, you know, in a 10-year career, I'd only had one sick day. So he's like, you know, there must be something wrong. You know, please get out of here. Well, I left that meeting and now I'm dating myself a little bit. But, you know, remember those uh, pay phones used to drive up at the gas station and, and then you could call because we didn't have cell phones right. then, right? <laughs> so, so I drive up and I call my church. I, I want to talk to my minister and he's not in, but one of the associate ministers is there. And I, to this day, Trina, I have no idea how I made the 30 minute drive from Aurora where I was at oh, to Lakewood, Colorado. Yeah. So I got into the office and I saw um, uh, our associate minister, Dr. Marjorie. And I was, I was a wreck and I was rocking it back and forth in my chair, telling her how nervous I was and how petrified that this thing was going to fail. The next thing I asked her is, Hey, do you mind if I lay down on the floor? And within a couple moments, I'm in the fetal position. Okay. And I still remember to this day, her walking around, uh, you know, the table going to her, um, her, the phone on her desk, calling my then wife and saying, hi, honey, this is Dr. Marjorie. Yes, he's with me. No, he's not doing too well. (laughs) So anyway, she cleans me up and I make the trip back home. I actually had a martial art test that night that I was conducting for my students before I opened up the studio. I had a small program at a grade school and I did it without, without a problem, right? 
But as soon as it was over, I crashed again. And I was, my wife took me to Swedish hospital here in Denver where they sedated me, you know, because I was in such, in such bad shape. And when I woke up in the morning, in the emergency room, the doctor said, you know, if you weren't such a well-conditioned athlete, Chris, you probably would have gone into cardiac arrest. So when people say to me, man, everything was easy. It's like, yeah, it looks like it was easy. But, and, and the thing of it is, Trina, is it was all self-induced. Right. It was all what was going on in my mind because I was blessed. I had all these people saying, you can do this. This is what you should be doing with your life. But I didn't have that belief and I didn't have the security. I was so afraid of failure that I almost lost it before it ever began. So what did you do to get over that immense yeah. fear? What did, how did yeah, you, agree. how did you get past Well, I'll that? tell you what, I had a, I had a ton of support from the people who love me. I, I really went into, I did a lot of work in terms, I did, started doing meditation. I started getting into deep breathing and the turning point was this. Uh, I had already opened the school and I had settled down a little bit, but I was still having this anxiety and I had just opened the school and there were about three students on the mat kids warming up before class. And I was in my office and there was a little window that you could see everyone on the mat. And I was nervous, you know, and you know, when you get on that, you start, you start, you know, pushing into the future and you're, you're, you're imagining the, all the bad things that are going to happen. I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, how am I going to make rent this month? And that wasn't a problem, but in my mind it was. And finally it hit me. I said to myself, you know, all these parents that are bringing their kids to me, are doing it because they want me to teach their kids self-confidence, courage, focus, all these things. And I'm in here with my knees knocking. And I said to myself, all right, here's what I'm committing to. Every time I go on the floor to teach a class, I'm going to teach it as if it is packed with at least 20 students. There might be two on the floor. There might be five. There might be 10. I'm going to teach it as if there's 20. And I'm proud to say that within a year, I had over 200 students at that school. And the average martial arts school in the United States at the time was only 80 students. So, and I, to this day, Trina, I can't tell you where those students came from. They just wow. kept showing up, but the change happened inside me, right? The change happened inside me. And when I calibrated myself to that level, then you know, and it wasn't my marketing, by the way, because that was awful at that time, but they just came, they just continued to come. And so I really, you know, when I work with clients, it's one of the things that I help them understand is what's that mind uh, set shift that you need to make? Because when we do that, we become, we become magnets for what we want. But when we're in that point of worry, we're repelling things and we're never going to get anywhere in that way. Mm. I love that. You know, it's, and as, as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I've had those same, I, I suffer from anxiety and <laughs> anxiety yeah, tests. And yeah. like you said, a lot of it is self-induced. You're like, oh my sure. God, you know, your, your brain is just going a thousand miles a minute and you're just going every, it's like this, 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 this. And, you know, and I, I have to laugh because I had a friend, you know, I was with him and, you know, I was doing one thing then I was like, oh, and he was like, I need you to not let your ADD take over. <laughs> well, you know, you know what I think too, and my, I'm just assuming this, you know, you and I have just met, but I'm assuming based on your military background, right. Is that you're a pretty high performer. Yeah. And I think anxiety oftentimes plagues 
the top performers because we are so driven to do well and we want to make sure everything is taken care of and be at our best. And in many ways, that served us our entire lives and it served us very well. And it served us very well until it doesn't anymore. And then we got to reel it back a little bit and say, okay, I'm just going to let, you know, life flow to me. And it's something I have to admit, I, I have to continuously work on. Yeah. I have yeah. to continuously work on. Yeah, I, I do too. So I, I'm totally there with you. I can relate. I'm, <laughs> now I'm glad I'm not the only, <laughs> the only there you one. Go. Like there you that. go. There you go. So let's talk about you doing your leadership coaching. Cause like you yeah, said, you're yeah. using some of the same principles. Tell us who, who you're, you know, coaching, what you yeah. talk about and how you help them get their breakthrough. Very good. Yeah. I, I work a lot with business leaders, particularly people who own their own businesses, because for the last you know 25 plus years, that's been my role. Um, and what I'm looking for is people, I think I serve the best people who are really, they're looking for something different in their lives. They're feeling stuck, right? And what is that? And they, and they realize, just like I did, that they want to play a bigger game, but they're not really sure how to do it. They've had success in various aspects of their life. They've performed at a high level. They've got all the, you know, all the trappings, all the bells and whistles, if you will. But they realize there's something you know, deeper inside. And when I work with the people, I basically focus on five key areas. Uh, the first one is I help them get really clear on their vision. Now, that you know, that can sound pretty much like a cliche, right? But I think that most people, and I don't know if you found this, but when I ask people what they want or what their vision is, they have a hard time really articulating it. They are very clear about what they don't want anymore, but they can't clarify their vision. So I have a step-by-step -step process to take people to get that clarity in the vision. Then we talk about strategies. What are the, the you know, specific strategies and tactics that they need to employ? And I think one of the things I'm really good at is not necessarily holding people accountable, but holding them capable. So what do I mean by that distinction? You know, accountability can sometimes be, you know, um, I don't know, a little bit like we're shaking our fingers at someone, right? A little condescending. Right. But holding someone capable says, I recognize greatness in you. You've told me what you want. Now I'm going to hold you to that standard of greatness. Mm -hmm. That's the distinction. Mm -hmm. So those are the first two things. And then we work a lot, like I said, on changing mindset. You know, what are the things that are, uh, and, and those things oftentimes are unconscious, but they're very insidious. And I, I listen very closely to people's languaging because you can tell a lot when you're talking with someone, the things that are disempowering language and empowering language. Then we look at skill sets. Where are the places that you have an opportunity to up-level, right? Is there, a, is there a certain education that you need, a certification that you need? Do you need to like lean into something where you can expand your skill set? And then finally, we look at energy drains. What are the things that you're currently putting your attention on that are taking your attention away from what you really want? And they're oftentimes things that we've been doing forever, and they're just automatic. You know, it's like cutting off both ends of the ham. I don't know if you've heard that story. No, I haven't heard that. So, so you have heard it? No, tell me. Okay. So, the, so there's a, it's a, like a Thanksgiving going on and, and uh, three generations of women are in the kitchen and the youngest, the daughter uh, is getting ready to put the ham in the oven and she cuts off both ends of the ham and she slides it in the oven and she closes the door. And she says to her mom, she says, mom, you know, I've often wondered why do we cut off both ends of the ham? And she goes, honey, I have no idea. Let's ask your grandma. So they go to grandma and they say, grandma, why do we cut off both ends of the ham? 
And she says, I have no idea, honey. Let's call your, your great grandma in the old country. So they make the call and they're like, you know, you know, great grandma, great grandma, you know, we're here making our, 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 our dinner and we cut off both ends of the ham. Why do we do it? She goes, Oh, honey, when, when I was growing up in the old country, our pan was only this big and our ham wouldn't fit in it. So we had to cut off both ends. Right. <laughs> and so we do that all the time. Don't we? Yes. We do that. It's unconscious. So it's like, where are those energy drains? Where are you putting your time and focus? Um, and where could you maybe redirect it so you can really work on what's important to you? Oh, that's now that is something that I think everyone needs to look at in their life because there there are a lot of energy drains. And sometimes I have to catch myself going now, why am I doing this or why am I devoting time to this? Because it is, it's so easy to do. It's so easy to get caught up into something. And I think exactly. with social media now, I think that's like the biggest energy drain. Ever. I would absolutely agree. <laughs> I would absolutely agree. And, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, impervious to it either. I mean, this thing can get me distracted as well. I mean, we have it all the time. It's right in front of us. And, and, you know, it's like that, it's that instant gratification we get, right? But really, when we're on track, and I mentioned it before, it's those things in the long term where we finally have that that breakthrough, if you will. Those are the things that are really sustaining and satisfying because it's not only the end result, it's who we become on the way to that result. That's important. Mm, I, I love that. I mean, just those principles and your coaching. I, I mean, I love it. Now, talk about um, your books. I think you said you, you write books for the youth. I, well, I, these, the, the two books that I have published, in fact, there are, there is a lot of carryover for youth. They're not directly for youth, but my, my, uh, if I may, mm-hmm. my, uh, cornerstone book, which was published about seven years ago is called black belt leadership. So it's uh, seven uh, keys to creating the life of purpose by discovering your own inner champion. And basically, uh, this came about when I was um, testing for my seventh degree black belt, and I had to write an essay for that that my instructor required. And um, I started thinking about what are the things in my life that are really strong principles that I believe in that are guiding not only my life, but also my martial art practice. And they were the seven qualities, like a purposeful vision, you know, who I was being in the world, having integrity, um, you know, making sure that, you know, I'm moving through inspired action, to name a few. And then I had someone say, well, that's your keynote. So that became, you know, my essay, then my keynote. And then someone said, well, I had one of my mentors say, well, you know, Chris, speakers write and writers speak. Mm. And so that became my first book. And then my second book, which just came out in February is called Breaking Through, Three Winning Strategies to Create Breakthrough Results in Your Life, Business, and Relationships. And how this came about is I'm really excited. For the last five, six years, I've been teaching a board-breaking experience, a corporate board-breaking experience. And so what I do is I go into corporations and I, um, I work with their groups and I help them identify a breakthrough area that they want to have in either their lives or in their teams. And they literally write it on one side of the board. And then on the other side of the board, they write their limiting beliefs that have been holding them back. And then I teach them to break the board. And then they come up in front of the room and they do what I call their proclamation. So they state their break, their name, their breakthrough, and what's been holding them back. And then they break the board. Now, 
it's a pretty emotional thing, particularly for people who have never had um, much physicality in their lives to have that, you know, that, that, that uh, visceral experience. But what I often wondered is when they leave, I'd run into people, oh my gosh, that board breaking experience was awesome. My board's still in my office. I look at it every day. And I used to say, well, but did they have their breakthrough? Yeah. So this book was, what are the steps they need to take in order to have their breakthrough? Okay. So, so yeah, and this was, I'm going to brag a little bit. This became an, an Amazon number one bestseller. So can you, can you give us a couple of the uh, strategies and tips? Yeah, absolutely. There? So, so the three strategies that I talk about, I call them the three C's of creating breakthrough. And the first one is pretty straightforward. It's clarifying your vision. And I spoke a little bit about this before, and there's a whole process in this book is most people are very clear about what they don't want, not so much about what they want. So I take them through a step-by-step process of starting with the things that they don't want or they're unhappy with, and then making the changeover to create positive, affirmative visions for what they want. Then the next is to create their plan. You know, You've probably seen this. People get all excited about something. I'm going to do this. And they, they go off with gangbusters. And it, 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 it lasts for a week or two. And then boom, 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 boom. It just peters out. And what I found is it's because people don't have a plan. And they don't integrate that into their everyday lives. Right? So they don't put it in the calendar. They don't, they don't plan around that. They don't check on it during the, you know, each week to see their progress. So that's creating your plan. And then the final one is to take consistent action. So what are those small pieces that you're doing? And I oftentimes share this in my keynote talks is that think about this. It's not so much the massive action, although that can be important, but that's not what sustains us. It's that small, everyday incremental improvement. And if we took one thing we wanted it to create a breakthrough in, let's say, Trina, and we said to ourselves, within a year, we're going to be uh, 1% better each year or each day for a year, just 1% better. That's our commitment. At the end of that year, we'd be 37 times better than when we started. Okay. So then you say, well, what would I took that behavior and I, I took that across two years. And most people would say, well, I guess I'd be 74 times better, but that's not what would happen. We'd actually be 1400 times better because good habits don't add up. They compound, right? It's like compounding interest. And if we did that over five years, we'd be 76 million times better at the end, right? So what it talks about is how can you make small changes consistently over time to have breakthrough results? Hmm. Wow. That's, you know, and it's very interesting. And, and I'm thinking about what you said as far as the um, vision, because like you said, most people will tell you, well, I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want this. But yeah. they never say, okay, mm-hmm. this is what I want. This is my vision. Why is that? I mean, and, and everyone does it. Everyone will tell you, you know, it's like, what, what is your vision? Well, you know, I don't like this. I don't like that. Why do we do that? Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm chuckling because I just shared this with someone the other day. I think that we're hardwired as human beings to look for the negatives. And here's what I mean by that. I don't mean that in a condescending way. I mean, we've done that from a standpoint of survival. You know, the cavemen back in the days, if they weren't ready and looking for the saber-toothed tiger, they became lunch. So it's hardwired within our DNA to look for those things. 
but the, the, the challenge is, is to move those over. But, but the fact of the matter is, is when we're always looking for the next bad thing to happen, that's what we're going to see, you know, cause I don't know if you ever had the experience Trina, where you uh, wanted to get a new car and you said, Oh, I want, um, I want a, a, a Jeep Cherokee black, whatever. And then you started seeing more of those on the road. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, it's a part of our brain called the reticular activating system. When, when we focus on something, that's what we start to see everywhere. And so when we're looking for things to happen badly, we'll start, you know, we'll get that justification in our minds. Mm. And I had a teacher tell me years ago, he said, Chris, if you're going to fantasize, you might as well win. But we don't do that. We're always looking for the next shoe to drop. Now, that doesn't mean we go through life unaware, Pollyannish, like nothing can ever. No, there are things that can, you know, that can impact us negatively. We need to be aware of those, but we can't let those be our driver, right? Mm-hmm. We have to. And what I, what I talk about in the book, I talk about two things is that I'll share with you is, is number one is part of that vision is getting clear about your, your big why. Mm-hmm. Why is this important to you? You know, is it because this is your dream? Is it because, you know, you, you have a, your children that you really want to take care of and you want to help them, whatever that why is, because I don't know about you, Trina, but when I hear someone that is so focused and enthusiastic about their why, I get so inspired by those people, right? And when you have a why, when the obstacles come, then what will happen is, is that, is that you're going to be able to go through those obstacles. You're so entrenched in your why, right? And so that would be the first thing that I would say to people is what's your big why and be able to really articulate that. If I may tell a story, um, I told you that I've had all those difficulties uh, before I was going to open up my martial arts school and having these panic attacks. And I'd already signed a lease on a building. I was still working in the corporate world and I signed a lease. And uh, one Friday after work, I went in and my wife at the time was playing the role of general contractor. Right. So the guys, you know, the circular saws and they're framing the doors, whatever. And I went in and I had an absolute panic attack. And I said, this is the stupidest idea I've ever had in my life. I can't believe I did this. I'm going to go to an attorney on Monday. I'm going to get us out of this lease, blah, 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 blah. And she looked at me and she said, okay, just go home. Now, there are some other words I can't share with our listeners right now, but she said, you know, go home. We'll talk about it after dinner. So after dinner, I had all my notes. This is why this is such a stupid idea. And to her credit, she sat and listened to me. And then she said, okay, I, um, I supported you in getting into this venture. And if you want to get out, I'll support you as well. But I just have one request. And I said, okay, what's that one request? She said, my one request is, is that you sit our two sons down and you tell them why you are choosing not to go for your dream. Boom, right? She sunk my battleship. God bless her, right? And I realized at that time, one of the things that I was most, was most important to me, why it was so important is I wanted to show that to my sons. I never had that example. And I had told them from the time they were very young that they could do anything they wanted. And now I was at the edge of going for my dream and I was ready to back off. Mm. So what's your why? Why is that important? Because when we get clear on that, man, I, I believe anything's possible. Wow. Yeah, that's that's powerful. That that right there. Yeah. When you say, OK, you got to go tell your kids that you're a failure. Oh, my gosh. 
I could not, hey, I could not have that conversation. It just wouldn't come out of my mouth. And I'm so grateful. You know, we may not be together anymore, but I mean, grateful for for several things. But that one thing was life changing for me because I look back at that now and I've literally been able to impact the lives of tens of thousands of people in the last 27 years. And, you know, in the corporate world, I was selling shampoo and deodorant. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but that wasn't what I was meant to be doing on this planet. Right. Oh my goodness. I, I so, so agree with that. And I, I just want to ask you this before we move on with the people that you coach. And when you yeah. go through that with them and you're saying, okay, what's your vision? What's your why? And they're saying, well, I don't want this. I don't want this. And you tell them, okay, you need to start thinking differently. Yeah. yeah. How difficult is it for them to understand that and to start to reframe? Yeah. You know, it, it, it's interesting because it can be very, very difficult at times, not impossible, but difficult because those habits get entrenched. And so I think, you know, we could change in an instant our, our thought process and it could change. But generally speaking, what happens is, is it has to happen through a behavior as well. It's not like we just all of a sudden instantaneously have this, you know, the, the, this this big idea and then we move. I think we have to have both a concentration on changing our minds and the way we speak. That's one thing I think super important. You know, if you listen to someone, where are they speaking in a disempowered and victimized way? And the first thing that I like to work with clients on is helping them understand that they're a hundred percent responsible. Now, your listeners might go, wait a minute, I've had this happen to me, that happened to me. Well, you may not be responsible for what happened to you. But you're always, always, always responsible for how you respond to it. And if you take accountability for that, all of a sudden you move from a victim to an owner of your life, right? Mm -hmm. And that to me can be one of the most powerful. If someone, if that's the only thing they get from our coaching work together, I've done my job. Because now you can look at and say that relationship that went sour, um, that job that didn't go well, this didn't go well. There was a common denominator. Hmm. I was always there, right? And so how can we take accountability and responsibility for that? And responsibility is not only taking um, control of our, our part in it, but look at the word response ability. Mm. It's our ability to respond. And what I often tell people is we react so quickly to things and we, we get on this, you know, that, that it moves our trajectory on things for a whole lifetime. I, I chuckle one time, I heard the story. They said, if there's a dog that's being abused by its master uh, and that uh, master goes away and he comes back in 10 years and he sees that master again, he'll begin growling, right? Mm. But the difference between the dog and the human being is is the dog wasn't thinking about the master over those 10 years, right? <laughs> he had forgotten about it until he saw him again, but we don't do that. And, and, and in fact, I heard this study a while ago that negative emotions that happen in our body physiologically only last, they only last Trina for 16 seconds. So you're angry, you're startled, you're hurt, whatever. It only physiologically lasts in our body for 16 seconds. If it goes beyond that, it's because we're recycling it mm. again and again and again. Mm. Wow. That that right there is, yeah, 
I just want to drop the mic. That's that's it right there. <laughs> but you know, the one thing I would add to that is when we're going through turmoil, when we're going through challenge and we're feeling upset, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel hurt, but feel it and then let it go. Don't suppress it and then have it run you in the background. That's another thing. And I do a lot of work with men and I oftentimes see that men, you know, we're going to be stoic and we're going to suppress it because we don't want to. And I, that to me is one of the biggest, uh, biz, biz, uh, biggest reasons for why we have all the problems we have because guys can't deal with those emotions and then they project it outward right. on other people. You got to feel it. It's okay. And sometimes it's scary, but you got to feel it and then let it pass. And then you can move forward in your power. Mm. Oh, I love it. I mean, I can go on f- talking to you forever. I, we got to we got to move into our questions. <laughs> okay, good. Let's do it. Let's do this it. Is, this has been great. But okay, here we go. Who or what motivates you? Mm. You know, there are several people, you know, in the world that motivate me. But the the people in general that motivate motivate me are the people that have uh, that maybe don't have the greatest ability, they don't have the greatest resources, but they keep moving forward anyway. They just keep showing up, and I, you know, I got to see that with martial arts students. My favorite students were the ones that could hardly touch their toes, mm. you know, when they first started because they had no flexibility or they didn't have balance. They couldn't stand on one leg, and three, four years went by, and all of a sudden they found their power. Those are the people that inspire me. Wow. What demotivates you? People who blame others Mm. and they make excuses and they do it because they're projecting that onto someone else and they don't take accountability themselves. Mm. Yeah, that's good. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked out for your good? Mm. Wow. You know, (laughs) I'll tell you what. This is, uh, this is a big time in my life when I went through my divorce, okay? And that, that for me was probably one of the most devastating times in my life where now I felt that rejection. That's what the message I was hearing. When I look back at that now and I look where I'm at now, it was one of the best things that happened to me. And I'm not saying that to disparage my former wife. What I'm saying about it is it caused me to grow in ways that I never thought I needed to before. Does that make sense? It does. It was not, it's, it wasn't about her anyway. It was about me. And I look back at that time and I go, man, it was tough, but wow, I am so much more of who I'm supposed to be now. And I don't know if I'd be that man, if I would have been in that relationship. Mm-hmm. So I always say everything happens for a reason. So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What is your fear? My fear, my greatest fear is that I'm going to leave this earthly plane and I will not have utilized all of my gifts and not made the impact I was supposed to make. Mm. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Yes, I, you know, it's maybe I already did it, but I have done it but I wish I would have made the move to start off in my martial art career professionally earlier. I think I spent my first five years in the corporate world. It was great. The second five years I was holding on because of fear. Mm -hmm. So I wish I would have made that move. Now it ended up being perfect, right? But I wish I would have made that move earlier. 
is there a time you wish you had not done something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. Let me think about this. Wow. You know, that that's a tough one for me because, I, again, I think that we do all the things um, that we're, I mean, we do it on perfect timing. Um, I wish I would have, um, I, I think, I think there, there was a time in, in my, at, toward the end of my marriage that I was holding on so tight. And I wish I would have let that go sooner mm. that I, I wouldn't have held on so long. And that's, again, that's by no means a, um, to be disparaging toward my, my former spouse, but it was, I knew in my heart that it was ready to time to move on. And I, and I had tremendous respect for people that have long, I was in relationship for 26 years. Mm-hmm. So I have tremendous respect for people, but it was time for me to move on. And I wish I would have done it that sooner as well. Okay. Um, what is your definition of success? <laughs> it is yeah, my definition of success is being able to share our gifts that we're innately have to make a strong impact in the world. And I have a theory is, and it may not be ironclad or it might not be waterproof, but uh, my theory is, is that if every one of us has innate gifts to share in the world, and if each one of us were sharing those gifts to the best of our ability, almost all the problems we have on this planet would go away. Because everyone would be so happy doing what they were doing, they would want nothing else for other people to have that same experience. Mm-hmm. So that's my wish. Yeah. Uh, how do you recharge? Great question. You know, I do. I do a lot of meditation, and I've been doing. I've been a meditator for probably a good seven years. Uh, I love going outdoors. Denver, you know, Colorado is a great place to go outdoors. So probably my meditation and yoga practice, as well as getting outdoors. What are you awesome at? <laughs> I am awesome at inspiring people. Yeah, that's what I'm really, I, I need to own that, right? And um, not only, and I'm also, I think I'm awesome at seeing greatness in people and holding that up. And I think that if there's anything, you know, when when I, I'm getting ready to move on and, and if, you know, if someone's speaking at my eulogy, if they said he inspired me and he, he inspired me because he saw great things in me, and he wouldn't let me forget about it. I've done my work. Mm. What legacy do you want to leave? Yeah. You know, I want to have a legacy that has people understand, as I said before in the last question and last answer, is that they know that they they found their greatness and that they shared it, you know, unabashedly in the world and that they then supported people in doing the same. Mm. That's what I want my legacy to be. Wow. I, th- I think that this next question, you kind of answered already, but I'm going to ask it. Uh, give the listeners one motivational takeaway. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, this is kind of my tagline, is that a, a champion doesn't need to be told what to do. It ju- they just need to be reminded. And what I mean by that is, is some might say, oh, we need to be reminded to, you know, how great we are and what we can do, et cetera, et cetera. But a champion also needs to change their mind. So a champion doesn't need to be told what to do. They just need to be reminded. And so many times, if you're working with a coach, if you're working with someone that's inspired you, they've guided you, a coach, a mentor, et cetera, et cetera, they're generally not telling you something you don't already know. Most of the time, you've already known it or you've known it in some way, but they're saying in a way that resonates it in your mind. So my point would be is listen to your heart. Keep your mind open, listen to your heart, and know that those answers are already there and trust yourself. 
Trust yourself. Mm. Okay, Chris, tell the listeners how they can connect with you, work with, they want to, you know, you to come speak to them, um, the schools, your books, give us the whole nine yards. Absolutely. Thanks so much for asking, Trina. Well, if, uh, one thing is just to go to my website, chrisnatsky.com. So www.chris, N is in Navy, A-T-Z as in zebra, um, zke.com, N-A-T-Z-K-E.com. And when you go there, you'll see all my programs in terms of life coaching, my speaking, my board breaking experience as well. And also, if you go to that website, uh, you'll see that you can download for free a the introduction of my book, Breaking Through. So you just go and download that. And if you don't do the website, you can also go to 720-741-6263. Let me give that again. 720-741-6263. Text the word breakthrough. And you can also download a free copy of that introduction as well. Wow. Well, I know the listeners are totally inspired by everything that you have said today. I mean, your breakthrough and just vision. If if they leave with nothing else, I want them to remember, listeners, what is your vision? Is it the negative or is it the positive? But Chris, I just want to say thank you for being on Trina Talk today. I have This has been an amazing conversation. I just thank you for taking time out of your day. Thanks, Trina. I absolutely enjoyed it. Thanks so much for inviting me. If you like Trina Talk Podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.